All right, we've been talking about our Father's heart, and uh, we're looking at the church aspect, but the first one is, is His love for us. And uh, 1 John 4.19 says, we love because He first loved us. So you being able to love is a result of God loving you first. Isn't that awesome? And probably, probably your number one purpose on this earth is to allow God to love you. And one of the ways that he loves us is he, invite, he invites us to invite him into our circumstances through prayer. And um, what's so amazing about that is, is even when we're the reason for the problems in our lives, whether it be through sin or just dumb decisions, he still invites us to invite him into our circumstances. I'm so thankful for that because that takes a lot of uh, pressure off of us because then we know that we don't have to be perfect in things. But even though we're striving to please him, we don't have to do it in perfection and, and be worried that when we make a mistake, the hammer's going to come down. Amen? It's hard to live that way, isn't it? And so through the good, the bad, and the ugly, he, he through prayer, invites us to invite him in. And we learn that... Um, hearing God's voice, that part of it is being still in our prayer life is not just a to-do list for God every time we come to Him, but it's also a time of sitting before Him and letting Him speak to us. Letting Him give us the solutions and the answers. So, And now we're looking at the fact that through our Father's heart, He created and established the church. And He did that so that we wouldn't be alone in this world. That we have to come to the place where we're not an island unto ourselves and we don't have to go through this life alone. We can have support. And I just think that's so amazing how God is. And, you know, uh, you have to pray for me because I think we're wrapping up today on the church. But I don't know for sure. It depends on how far we get. But, um, And it's interesting that in America we have a church on every corner so to say, and we don't have as shortages in America, but you know, you go to other countries and there are shortages. They don't have them on every corner. And it's a, uh, it costs them to be able to go there and make their way there. Many of them have to drive hours or walk hours. I remember when we were in Uganda and people would leave sometimes the day before to be able to get to the church. Or they had to leave hours before. And so the church for them was all day. They would have a service and then they would have lunch. And, you know, they were there until it was dark and time for them to go back. And I remember when we were in Uganda, uh, we, we were told to be at the church at 8 o'clock. So we're there. And yet we're in the pastor's office and we're just waiting. And finally, we asked him and said, what time does service start? And he said, 10. And we're like, well, what are we doing here? And he says, we're waiting. He said, people are coming. And they come. And they start coming at 8 o'clock. 
And they start worshiping on their own until 10 o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, the congregation as a church starts worshiping. Isn't that amazing? And, and I'm telling you, they, they're coming from ways away. Many live in places where Christianity is the minority and they're persecuted for their faith. And um, when you're with them, if you see this, it's sheer joy and excitement and anticipation when they know that they're gathering together and worshiping together and sharing life together, no matter what the cost. Um, because that's what they do and that's how they view church. And as we're going through this and as we're looking at scriptures, we have to think about all of that in light of the early believers and what they were experiencing. Do you know many were being threatened? You know, we're going to read out of Hebrews again, but many of them were being threatened, beaten or killed. Their businesses and their livelihoods were being taken from them. Their properties were taken from them and they couldn't exchange things like others could. That's how bad it was for them. And in light of all that, the writer of Hebrews says this, and this is what we've looked at, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, he's saying this about the day drawing near, and, you know, and I've talked about that they thought they were living in the last days, and it was the last days for them as my father-in-law would say. If these aren't the last days, they're your last days. So make the best of it. All right? Um, but here they are facing all of this, and he's like, but don't neglect meeting together. And so that's a powerful statement. So despite all the obvious risk involved in gathering as believers to worship Jesus during those days, the benefits must have outweighed any risk that they were going to endure. The writer of Hebrews could have said, stay home, don't gather, do all you can to, to protect yourself. But he didn't say that. He said, do not neglect gathering together. Mm. Now, how easy is it not to gather together? It's very easy. You know what you have to do not to meet together? Nothing. That's how easy it is. It takes effort to come to church. I remember when our kids were younger. And that's why I have a lot of patience when we have parents that have a young child. Because, you know, you're heading to church and, you know, or wanting to head to church. And they decide that they have to go to the bathroom and, you know. Or they spit up on their beautiful dress or their beautiful clothing and you have to stop, take care of them before you come to church. And that's life. In the New Testament, the word for assembly or gathering together is ecclesia. And I'm sure that you've heard that. Um, and in the New Testament, it refers to the local church. And by itself, it means a gathering. Okay, that's it. But when the word is applied to the church, it carries the Old Testament notion of standing together as God's chosen people. And so that would be like 
we are, no, I won't say that. But according to Brian's word, we are his. We are from him and we are for him. We are his chosen. And as we get into this, I'm going I'm to share some stuff. But I have an illustration about church because sometimes, you know, as we've been working through this, we are the church, but we also have to have a place to meet to be the church as well. Because we have to gather together in order to be the church. And we've talked about that. But as I'm going through this, I, I was thinking about how Alicia, our daughter, was on the girls basketball team at the high school. For three years. Her three years being in the high school, she was on the basketball team. Now, she had to go to practice. She had to lift weights early in the morning before school. She had to uh, run. You like to run, don't you? <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> she liked to lift weights. But she didn't like to run. But um, Christy, your time. Um, but she was required to be at practice. She was required to work out before school. She was required to show up for the games. And all of this, yeah, they're here. Oh, no, it's you, Diana. Sorry. They just showed up. So, here's the deal, though. Alicia was not a starter, but yet she was required to do all of these things. She was part of the team her whole years that she was there whether they were together or not. You know, they have their season and stuff, and they have their workouts, but beyond that, when she wasn't with them, she was still part of them. We had the gear to make that known and stuff. I mean, we had the shirts, the hat. You know, if your daughter's on the team, then you ought to look like you belong to her. And... Whether they played or not, they were part of the team. And during the summer, even though the team didn't meet, she was still considered to be part of the girls' basketball team. And I say this because each part is important. She didn't play much, but you know, we celebrated every victory that they had. We were discouraged at every loss that they had. We got upset at the coach. We loved the coach. We bought pizza for the team. We didn't buy pizza for the team. You know, so I say that because even though she wasn't a starter, she was a vital part to that team. And I remember talking to her when we were celebrating the victories. I said, honey, I want you to know something. I said, you play a vital part on this team even though you don't start. I said, because you practice with the team. And I said, you know what? If you weren't there to practice, they would have a difficult time figuring out how to uh, plan for their opponents coming up. So you, you help in practice. Alicia was an encourager to the other girls while she's on the bench. She is one of their biggest cheerleaders. And I, and I shared this with her that 
this is what you're to do. I remember when uh, she would get discouraged, and it wasn't very often. But I would remind her of these things. And even though you're not seeing, you're still part of the body of Christ, and you're necessary. And I remember asking her after, I, I think it was getting into her senior year, I'm like, honey, do you really want to go early before school and work out? She said, yeah. I said, why? And she says, well, what else do I have to do? And she said, plus that helps keep me in shape. And I'm thinking, what a great attitude that is. And, you know, I, I wish the church would be able to get that. And I wish that we would see ourselves in that same way. And um, so when she's at practice, though, she's helping the team. But she's also helping herself because she's being prepared for in case she has to go in. And she did go in. And so we need to see ourselves in such a way. We need to see that we are part of the church, whether you know we have a main part or not. We're all still part of the church. And we're, it's vital for us to be able to do that. She was a behind-the-scene player. And we need those behind-the-scene in the church. They didn't practice 24-7, but they came together and practiced. And then they came together and, and played their games. And the church pretty much does the same thing. This is our practice time. And then we're sent out into the world to do what God has called us to do. And we have to understand that when we gather and we worship God corporately, when we declare this place for God... We are a visible uh, sight for the world. And we're visible to one another. We speak to one another. We gather together in community by the grace of God. We're dependent upon Him. We honor Him. And after we've done all of that, then we scatter and we go back into the world. And then we gather again in order to scatter again. And hopefully we scatter stronger. Because we've come together and, and we've rubbed shoulders and we've shared life and we've encouraged one another. We've uh, done all kinds of things that we do in the church. But part of the problem with the churches, and I think it's being straightened out, at least in America, is we've gathered and we've put more emphasis on gathering rather than scattering. And not that we've been completely wrong with gathering because we do need to gather. You know, he says, do not neglect. But when we scatter, it's not the pastor who's scattering. It's you guys. Where you go to work, that's that's you scattering. That's you becoming involved in the world. The church, we need to realize that part of our gathering is so that we can get enough of Christ so that when we scatter, we take Christ into the world around us, wherever He calls us to. And we're not there just to endure until we gather again. That's not what God has planned for our life. He intends for us to make a difference. Scatter means we take Christ that we worshiped in the sense of community we feel and the truth of God's Word and what we've adjusted to it and we take it all back to our world, to our place of work. 
And it doesn't mean that the pastor does all of that. It means that you guys do that. When we gather, but we don't scatter biblically, then we're just performing religious duties. I have some things here that I want to share with you, and and I'm not having the scriptures come up because there'd be so many. But I'll give you the scriptures references for them. But, you know, I, I just want you to just listen to this. The church is where we get to worship and express our adoration of God. Psalm 150, verse 6. John 4, 23 to 24. The church, I'll give you my notes if you need it. (laughs) The church is where we get to learn about how to put God and His kingdom first in our lives and how to imitate Christ. Matthew 6.33 1 Corinthians 11.1 Ephesians 5.1 and 2 We need Betty Larson here. She's shorthand. I'll give you the notes. Just relax. The church is where we gain understanding of Scripture and and how to live as well as discover God's guidance for our lives. And I won't give you the Scriptures for that unless you want them. All right. Some of you want them. Proverbs 11, 14. And 24, 6. Proverbs 11, 14 and 24, 6. Colossians 3, 16. 2 Timothy 3.16. It's in the church that we fellowship with Jesus, our Heavenly Father. And the Holy Spirit and find friendship with one another. Acts 2.42-47. Galatians 6 2. 1 John 1 3. It's in the church that we learn to exercise our gifts, serve one another, and have the joy of seeing God change lives and eternities as we serve one another. Romans 12 4 8. See, if I had to read these. We'd be here all day. First Corinthians 12, 26 to 27. But I just want to remind you that as much as church is for us, it's also about Jesus. When we gather together as a church, the church now becomes the visible representation of God on earth. When we gather, Jesus sanctifies the place by showing up. It's his. In Matthew 18, 20, and I'm sure that we're all familiar with this. It says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And if you go back and you read the context of what he just said there, he's talking about if you're having difficulty, then this is what you do. And he names the church in particular. And then his last statement in there is this, Romans, or Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And 
the church being the representation of, of God on earth. This isn't anything new either. God has always had his people gather from the very beginning. And they came together in a tent, in a temple, and now as a church. And when you think about it, think of the feast that, Jesus, that God established in their lives. Because they would be a little scattered and then those feasts would cause them to come back together. And when they came back together, guess what? The world knew what was going on. They knew that this is God's people. You know, I think of Rahab before they crossed over in, through the Jordan. And it says that the people were afraid. The people in Jordan were afraid because they knew that God's people were out there and they were just waiting to cross over. They knew that there was a promised land for them and they knew that they were coming because they gathered together. So it isn't just about us, but it's about God and His love and His goodness, His kindness and His mercy and His grace being revealed. When we gather, we gather as an outpost of heaven that is visible, audible, and touchable. We are physical beings, and so bodies matter, and our individual bodies, but also bodies that matter, you know, as we gather together. Space matters. Physical togetherness matters for us and for God. And so gathering together as the church on a patch of geography matters just as much as being the church. Though the church is not perfect because it's made up of flawed, sinful people who have received the grace of God and are growing in it, it is important, not only for God, but for us as well. It's in the church. That I began to deal with my broken past. Finding healing and wholeness and peace. I began to build lifelong friendships when I went to church. I met Diana there. At church. Was smart enough to marry her. Hallelujah. That's how good God is. You need one? Oh, you have one. We had and dedicated and raised and baptized our children in the church. And many of yours as well. It's in the church that I fell in love. With the word of God. And learned how to study it. And learned how to truly worship God. Diana thinks that. My appetite for books started when I met her mom. But. It actually started way back in Virginia Beach, Virginia. After I came to know the Lord and one of the first ladies that I met, she was the owner of a Christian bookstore. And I'm like, 
Hallelujah. And I would go after the message. When I had free time, I would go and visit her store. And then we, we started a friendship and a relationship. And she would tell me what book I needed to have and stuff. And sometimes she gave them to me and sometimes I had to buy them. And then I, it was in the church that I found another couple that took me under their wings and discipled me. I knew I wanted to marry Diana. But do you know I waited until she met the couple who discipled me. And by that time, the, the husband was um, not in the picture. He was still alive, but not in the picture because of Alzheimer's. But she was around him, and I brought her over, and we had time together. And I so wanted to hear her say that she was the one because of meeting her in the church and, and having the respect that I had for her. And so after Diana left and I went back to the house, and I said, what do you think? She said, she's the one. It's okay, honey. It's in the church that I discovered my gifting and calling. I was discipled, loved, corrected, challenged, and released into ministry. In the church, I learned to love the lost and how to reach out to them. I learned to properly care for our planet that God has given us through the church. Through the years, I have struggled, laughed, cried, grieved, prayed, hoped, dreamed, despaired, Suffered, rejoiced, and praised. All in the church. And all with my church family at my side. And I've had the opportunity to do that with you and your family as well. And all the things that you've experienced. Though we can be hurt by the community of church, we also are healed by the community of church. We all have something to give as part of the body of Christ. And when we stop gathering, we start isolating. And when we start isolating, we start drifting. And that leads to distance. And when we live in distance, that leads to disconnection. So gathering helps us to stay connected. And we need that.
And so many times we look at church being for us, but it's for God first. And it's for His body because um, if you're important to the body of Christ, then that means it's important for you to show up, to gather together. And when we fail together, we miss not only all the blessings that come from gathering for us, but we also miss being a blessing to everyone else who has come together. We are one body with many members and we need each other. And we are dependent upon each other. We make each other better. We make each other stronger. Have you ever wondered who might miss something because you were not there to give it? And I just want to remind you how easy is it not to gather. It's very easy. Sometimes your body resists it. And sometimes our mind does. Sometimes our heart does. But the church is more. Is far more than just what we get out of it. It's about being in the body of Christ. Doing body life together. When one is missing, it affects us all. What one does or doesn't do makes a difference. And sometimes I think we forget that going to church isn't just for us, but it's also for the other people that we will see there. And as I've mentioned earlier, when it comes to us gathering together, I'm convinced that nobody looks more forward to it than God himself. Our gathering together doesn't just happen in God's name, but it also happens in His presence. God is looking and longing and waiting for our arrival and so are others. Others who need, others you need and others who need you. And God is not the guest at His gatherings. We are. It's amazing how God works all of this through creating the church by establishing the church. I just want to remind you in closing that the church is God's idea. Through the good and the bad and the ugly, gathering together as a church has kept and keeps me anchored to the heart of God, to the heart of my Father, to the heart of Jesus, my Savior, and to the heart of the Holy Spirit, my advocate. And I pray the same is true for you and everybody who hears this. You can stay seated, but we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the love that you have for us. And Father, I thank you that in your wisdom and in your love for us, you created the church. 
you made us the church individually, but Father, collectively, we are the church and we need each other. There's one body with many members, and we thank you for it. Lord, we ask that you would renew our love for you and for prayer and for church as we've gone through this series, Father. Lord, we ask that you would cause us to be a shining place for this world. That when things get chaotic and there's trouble, that they know that there's a place that they can turn to. Because we gather here. And we thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name. Amen.